from the director of Poltergeist and the writer of Alien comes a terrifying new film. Even serial killers live next door to somebody. Ha ha ha, quoth the raven, nevermore. The invitations must be sent at once. The terror has just begun. Hello, old sport. You are listening to I Saw It in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring. Ryan Silberstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. Today, we are joined by a former guest of the show, the cinema freak of nature of Movie John, Nick Nelson, to help us kick off the spooky season. And be forewarned, listeners, or should I say goblins and ghouls, from now until the end of October, I Saw in a Movie is Haunted and has become a show dedicated to Halloween, and we will be sharing spooktacular flicks to watch under the pale moonlight. In fact, Ryan, I don't know if you know this, but I'm no longer Rosalie. I've been possessed by Vampyra. Mwah. I'm glad to be informed of this development, and I look, host- look forward to co-hosting with Vampyra for the next few episodes. Yes, so I'm no longer Kicks. I am a vampire. And Nick, how are you? This is going to be the best episode ever. <laughs> I'm so I'm doing glad. Great. I'm doing great. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad to be back. Yes, we are so glad to have you here. So should I kick it off with my flick pick? Go for it. All right. So a while back, I purchased the Criterion edition of Les Samurai. Mm-hmm. And I just got around to watching it. Have either of you seen this movie? Yes, I have. I love it. How about uh, you, Ryan? I have not, even though I do also own the Criterion Edition. But I, every other movie by Jean-Pierre Melville that I've seen, I've absolutely loved. And so I've been sort of like saving it so I can <laughs> space it out. Because he didn't make too many movies and I've seen the majority of them. So these last couple that I haven't. Uh, especially his more heisty movies. Um, I'm kind of saving it for a rainy day. Okay, yeah. So surprisingly, I don't know if I've watched any of his other movies. And today, I did go through just his filmography, and I was shocked. Like, he only made, like, 14 things. So a very short list. But I loved this, and essentially, for those that have not seen it, It is a crime drama. I would almost say it's like a noir of sorts in which a hitman, Jeff Costello, played by Alan Delon, which Mm -hmm. I believe that's how you say his name. (laughs) That that sounds about right. Yeah. So he struggles to provide an alibi after he is seen by witnesses killing his target, which for him was very unheard of. And you kind of get the gist of this character that... He was very, he was good at his job, but he had a slip up here. So you kind of go through him getting like trailed through the city streets of Paris by the police and it's shot extremely well. Uh, And I don't want to give too much away because I I think you should just watch it, but I'm so glad that we own it. I wish that I would have watched it sooner, uh, but you know. Yeah, I have a lot of movies to watch. Like my pile just keeps getting bigger. So um, I did notice that one of his other movies, um, The Red Circle or uh, Le Circle Rouge, uh, if you're pronouncing it with its original French title, is on the Criterion channel. Um, and I highly recommend that movie because that features, it's like a 12 minute or so uh, heist that has no dialogue. Like it's all just, you know, the men performing the heist in silence. Um, oh, wow. And it's... It's amazing. The Criterion disc is out of print for that, um, but it is on the Criterion channel. Uh, okay. I saw it the other day. Yeah, the opening of this, very similar, like the first 10 minutes, no dialogue, which is always, I, I love to see that. So highly recommend. And 
yeah, I can't wait to check out the director's other things. So yeah, Ryan, how about you? What's your pick? Yeah, so my pick is a, uh, a new documentary um, that just came out to virtual cinemas uh, this past Friday uh, and will be more available in the future, I hope, but it's called Softy. Um, and it follows uh, Boniface Mongi. I'm probably butchering his last name, unfortunately. Um, he is a former uh, photojournalist turned activist living in Kenya. Um, and it follows his attempt to get a seat in the Kenyan parliament in 2017. And I was just blown away by this documentary. It's one of those where, you know, um, I know Rosalie, you're in, in the same boat where we get a lot of emails for people asking us to look at their movies or promoting their films. And this was one that just jumped out at me. And um, it's very um, harrowing at points, yet very inspiring. And it, it does a really, I think my favorite thing about it is that it focuses, um, not only does it give context on the political situation in Kenya and how much corruption and things that, that, that are going on in that country and like very openly, but it balances the political story with the personal side and like they interview his wife a, a bunch of times and get her perspective on him being in the spotlight and him, you know, his family getting death threats at, that are very credible. Um, and like the stress that it kind of puts on their marriage and their family and whether or not he should put the, you know, the country and like what he's trying to do politically before his family or not and how that all ties together in his mind. And uh, it's just a really interesting portrait. I think it's a really well-made documentary of a story that I probably would have never have heard of otherwise. Um, so I definitely think people should check it out and I hope it doesn't get, you know, overlooked. Yeah, I I think you hit it there, though. We, we do get a lot of emails, and sometimes it's easy to miss these types of movies, so I'm glad that you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, and again, that that's softy. It, it's in, you know, if you're supporting your art house theater and renting through a virtual cinema, it should be on some of those right now and more in the future, and then I hope it ends up, you know, on a, on a streaming service somewhere that'll give it uh, the spotlight or at least make it more accessible for people. Uh, so, oh, <laughs> um, all right. So, Nick, uh, what's what's your flick pick? Your uh, recommendation? Yeah, uh, I watched this a couple nights ago. The Netflix original, The Devil All the Time, with uh, starring Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson, and I'm pretty sure it's Bill Skarsgård is who plays Pennywise in the It. Oh yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, he's in it as well. Um, and I think I mentioned Robert Pattinson. Uh, it's based on a novel, and I, you know, I didn't kind of know that until the end credits. But the as I was watching it, I was like, "This is kind of like a Cormac McCarthy novel come to life." Uh, but the actual novelist is uh, Donald Ray Pollock, who I had never heard of. Uh, but it, it very much moves and feels uh, like a novel. And it jumps around in time a little bit. It kind of stretches from like the early 50s to the mid 60s. And it follows uh, a group of characters. And it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's about, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's just, it's just about violence and um, how violence perpetuates and how actions consequences but not necessarily immediately it's one of those kind of time as a flat circle type movies you know if you saw the first season of true detective kind of had that you know when it covers kind of a long span of time you follow the same group of characters and the decisions that they make and how it how their lives sort of change over time so it's i highly recommend it it's really really good yeah so that was another one that they actually sent me a screener link to it and then it came too late. So I didn't get a chance to watch it. And at first, like people's reactions that I was seeing on Twitter was that it seemed like it was getting a lot of mixed reviews, but I still wanted to watch it. And now that you said you liked it, I will definitely give it a chance. Yeah. But I heard there is like a scene with a dog. Yeah. So, so that scares me. <laughs> yeah. My, it, my friend Manda, and they actually, I think they have a website for this now, like does the dog live.com or something like that, where you can search by film and it'll tell you if, you know, anything horrible happens to a puppy. Yes. 
my friend Manda is so sensitive to these things. Like I have to tell her, like I have to warn her. I was like, this movie's awesome, but you know, Manda, you can't watch this. You can never watch this movie. So yeah, unfortunately um, something very horrible happens to uh, a dog and it's really uncomfortable. Uh, but if you can, uh, if you can make it past that, it's, 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 it's really worth it. I really enjoyed, especially seeing Tom Holland, because I love, you know, I, I liked the two most recent Spider-Man movies, and I thought he was good in them. Um, but in this, you definitely get to start to see his range a little bit more. Okay. And he's he, he he's definitely seems like he's matured a lot as an actor, and so I really enjoyed seeing him in something that was a lot more serious. Yeah. It, to go back to the dog thing, quick. I was just thinking how I don't know why in movies they always torture a dog. Like, I know, Ryan, you're a cat person, but I really can't even think of a movie where they torture a cat. Well, I mean, in Shape of Water, the monster eats a cat, so... That's fine. (laughs) Uh, Boondock Saints, a cat gets shot. Yeah. Okay. And, like, Wes Anderson seems to alternate between harming cats and dogs in in his movies. Yeah. Yeah, but I see your point, Kix. I mean, and and this is... if it's going to stop you from seeing it, it's one of those things that's like, it, it it's a bit beyond the pale. Like, okay. it, it's, it's something that I've never seen go that far with, with it. So if, yeah, if you have any hesitation around that, you might want to skip it. Yeah. That's so rough. I'll go back through the, I'll go back through the movie and just and text you and just say, okay, start it here. Start <laughs> yes. 2337 and then you don't have to worry about it yeah i'm sure that it's not really a significant part of the story no it's it, it but it's yeah it i mean it, it doesn't circle back to it the the, the event itself but it's kind of heartbreaking just because it's right it's character it's his dog and you can um you can sort of see like even toward the at the very end of the movie when he comes back to uh his home and kind of where it happened the, the the bones of the dog are still there and he gets to finally bury it and so so it's kind of a sweet moment but also really macabre a little bit but right uh so yeah really good i really enjoyed it cool yeah ryan have you checked it out yet uh i have not i also skipped the opportunity to review it because i couldn't fit it into my week last week um, I don't know. It's it's one where I may go back to it before the end of the year, but I'm not necessarily sure. in a hurry based on what I've what I've heard. But yeah. you know, it has a bunch of actors I like. Um, it's just not the kind of story that usually holds my attention. Um, you know, in terms of you know the consequences of violence and the like. It's been done a lot. <laughs> um, I feel like, especially in the past you know, 10 years from everything from like, or longer, I guess, from everything, you know, with like No Country for Old Men and Breaking Bad. And we, I feel like we've yeah. had a lot of stories in this genre. So it's not one where, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on something I haven't seen before, but I would like to see the performances. So I might, I don't know, I might try to suffer through it or I might just kind of skip around and watch a couple of scenes here and there just to get the flavor of it. Absolutely. Um, Robert Pattinson is, is one of those actors that I've, uh, absolutely defended over the years because he, he had such a uh, I, I guess the reputation from the Twilight movies and everyone sort of had him pigeonholed and movies like uh, Cosmopolis mm-hmm. and Time um, and he's he's amazing in this one it, it's it's a one of his better probably best performances uh, he plays sort of a corrupt preacher um, and I know we've seen that a million times, <laughs> too. but yeah. uh, he does, he, he does an amazing job with it. And I, I'm really excited for the Batman. I thought he's, he was an excellent choice uh, to put on the cape and cowl next to. So I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a big uh, Robert Pattinson fan uh, and have been for, for quite a while. And I'm thankful that, you know, uh, regardless of how people feel about the Twilight movies, that they've definitely allowed both him and Kristen Stewart to make movies that they otherwise couldn't afford to make because they're sitting on this gigantic pile of cash from making right. those movies. Yeah. Um, so. And and Ryan loves Twilight. I do. 
I do. I mean, Loves is a strong one. I really, I, I like those movies for what they are. Um, sure. So. Okay. That's, 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 uh, that, that they, they also won't come up in my question today. Oh, I thought that would have been your go-to. That's Ryan's, that's Ryan's whole list. <laughs> well, speaking of, so should I read the question? Yes, please. We're getting ahead of ourselves. All right, here we go. Dear I saw in a movie, I am trying to create the most spectacular watch list. Do you have any suggestions that are sure to send chills down my spine? Your spooky pal, Jack-O-Lantern. So I pondered about choosing just one film, but then I realized I did not want my picks associated <laughs> with Ryan's. Because what if he chose the mummy, <laughs> the Tom Cruise mummy, or even honestly, the old mummy? I don't really like that one either. I'll okay, be might, quite honest. I might need a break. I might need to revise my list real quick for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so I've decided to create my own marathon. And you both know, like I have done movie marathons before around Halloween, in particular for my birthday. One year I did a Friday the 13th marathon where we watched, I believe, one through eight. Ryan, I don't think you were at that party. I was not at that party. I don't, yeah. think, I, I don't think I was on the invite list for that one. Maybe I didn't really know you then. <laughs> it, and I was like, oh, I don't know. It's very possible. It also could be that like, I, ha I like, had another commitment that day. I, I, I just don't remember. Right. Offhand. And I mean, it, okay, it was a really fun day, but let me tell you, it was long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. And then... I guess it was now two years ago, we did a marathon of what I feel is an underrated series, uh, Child's Play with mm -hmm. Chucky. And that was a lot of fun because a lot of people that were at the party had not ever seen a Chucky movie, which I honest, I'll be honest, like I'm fairly new to the series myself, maybe only watched it about five, six years ago. But Ben and I purchased like the Blu-ray set of it and it's totally worth it because yeah. each movie is, is good. I would say probably the weakest to me is the third one, but still it's watchable. So. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And I actually think the second one is a ton of fun. Um, that's the one that ends at the toy, the toy factory and like, yes. yeah. it's, it, it's a blast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really care for the newest iteration. Uh, I was very upset. I, I think I went into it hating it because I didn't like that Mancini wasn't involved. Mm -hmm. And it upset me that, like, basically they didn't have any of the original cast. And that's something I find so unique about Child's Play is it has, like, all of the original people throughout the series, which is really cool. So that was also a contender on my list. But where I ended up settling was I wanted to go a bit outside the box when it comes to like just slasher movie marathons. I wanted it to be a bit more sophisticated, spooky. So I went with an evening with Bella and Boris. And I don't know if you know this, but they made together eight films, uh, which... I don't know. I find it interesting because a lot of people think like, well, rumor is like Bella and Boris Karloff did not get along, but they actually, they, they did like, I guess they got along on set well enough to make movies, but people like have in their mind that there was this huge rivalry. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that came up in uh, the season of You Must Remember This that was about uh, Boris and Bela. Yes. Yeah, so I picked four of their movies that they both appear in, and I think they're absolutely wonderful. So I'll start with the first pick, which is The Black Cat. And I wanted to make sure that jack-o-lantern was aware you want to be careful because there's several versions of this movie but i'm talking about the 1934 one and it also stars not just bella and boris but david manners which 
he's not a really good actor, but I love him because I don't know. He just always shows up and he thinks that he can like solve a crime or bake a cake. Like he thinks he's like the best at everything, but he's actually terrible. But anyway, essentially the black cat is about an American couple on their honeymoon in Hungary and they become trapped in this castle with a Satan worshiping priest. So to Nick's point that I guess bad preacher has been a character used since the thirties, probably even prior to that. Uh, but anyway, the bride is taken to this castle, and then after she's taken there, they kind of experience all of these spooky things that are happening, and in the end, there is a satanic ritual, and there's a corpse in the basement, and it's just a really fun time. And Ryan, I believe you have seen this, The Black uh, Cat. I, I have, and I enjoyed it uh, very much. Um, I... I, in general, just like Boris and Bela, and I think The Black Cat is just, it's just an especially fun movie. Uh, Yes, and I like how, and this is a spoiler, but in the end, when Bela is really just trying to actually skin Boris, like he's (laughs) actually trying to take his skin off, which is insane. Like, I still can't believe that was in a movie of the 30s. Yeah, and and the two of them are really, I think, just really going for it. I feel like this is actually my favorite Bela performance in terms of showing off his charisma in a way that that some of his other stuff doesn't quite get to. Yeah, I'll agree. He's very, I like to use the word wild, but like in a very good way. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think he was affected from like his drug use and other problems that he had later on. So that is a good point. Now, the second movie I picked for this watch is The Raven, which, again, this also has many versions, and I am speaking about the 1935 version, in which Bella once again plays a doctor who is a psychotic surgeon who has an infatuation with torture. Have either of you seen this one? Uh, I have not. I I've seen the the Raven with uh, Vincent Price, but not oh. this version of the Raven. See, I, I have seen the Raven with John Cusack. <laughs> oh, I have not seen either of those. But it's I'm... actually pretty good, honestly. Yeah. What? Is, who does he play? He plays as Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Okay. And so there's a, a copycat serial killer who's killing people like he, you know, how people die in his stories. Oh, okay. History and terror ensues. It's not bad. Cool. Yeah, this is another one of my favorites because, well, there's skin masks and a torture chamber. And there is a scene in particular in which, like, Bella, he has, like, this, like, I would say it's like a peephole that he's able to look down into the torture chamber and like watch the victims be tortured. And he just is like maniacally laughing as Boris is being tortured. And I just love it. Like It makes me laugh um, because it just looks like they're having a lot of fun. And that's what, I don't know. I think when I see actors just really getting into it, that makes me happy. So the third flick is actually The Body Snatcher from 1945, which I know, Ryan, we have discussed on this show before. I feel like it was one of our flick picks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to summarize real quick, it is about a ruthless doctor and and a student, and they find themselves continually harassed by a murderous supplier of illegal cadavers. And Boris Karloff is providing these corpses. And basically, like we've talked about before on the on the pod, I was really into this movie. I thought it was fun, but you really have to stay in it for the ending because the yeah. ending is insane. Uh, so that was a pick. And then the last one, my final selection, which I've also mentioned previously on the pod, is You'll Find Out. 
And I believe I mentioned it on the home episode um, because I, I absolutely love the setting of this movie. It's in like this spooky, huge mansion. Uh, but basically the setting or the story is a bandstand type character, Kay Kaiser, who I must note, most annoying person in the entire world. Him and his like gaggle of musicians are called to play at this very wealthy heiress's birthday party. And of course, the night takes this like really spooky turn because you have Bella, Boris, and Peter Lorre all under one roof. And this movie is so wacky and so strange. Uh, and it is guaranteed you will probably have nightmares from Kay Kaiser, but it's totally worth watching. And there's seances and secret passageways like through the house. I love it. So those are my picks. Now I really want to hear what you guys picked. Uh, sure. I mean, I will just need to note the lack of any Frankenstein on this list, specifically the son oh of Frankenstein, God. which has both Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. It's one of their collaborations. I think we've discussed that on the last pod. <laughs> we, we did. <laughs> Bella in that movie looks so disgusting. <laughs> and again, I will say, what is Frankenstein wearing? Like, I don't understand. Well, He, look, that, he looks quite dapper, but... It's like um, a, fur coat of some sort and also nick i don't know if you listened to that episode where we talked about this movie but i was very upset because there's a small child in it and after we were done recording ryan i realized like isn't the child wearing like a sailor's outfit no he's wearing like i feel like he's wearing like some kind of like suspenders thing he's obnoxious and the parents hate him too and, like, I feel the movie, he should have gotten thrown into that lava. Like, no one wanted this child. Into the, uh, the boiling, I think it's boiling sulfur or something. <laughs> Whatever. Even better. <laughs> exactly. Probably, like, some skin melting. Oh, because I just watched House on Haunted Hill, and there was, mm, like, that yep. acid. That yes. was cool. That was cool. And that skeleton pushed the lady in. Goodbye. Um. <laughs> That movie is great. Um, so for so for my watch list, um, I actually went and pulled together a list of cosmic horror movies, um, and I tried to mix things that are very well known and very fun, and also put two lesser known movies uh, in in my list of five. So uh, I'll spend I'll spend less time talking about the more well known ones. But uh, so in order, I think uh, kicking things off with Ridley Scott's Alien. Um, is, is the way to go because that movie is uh, absolutely scary and super fun and uh, you know it always it always puts me in a better mood um, after watching it there's something just very you know unsettling about Alien it's a movie that like I uh, actually got to see for the first time in the theater um, and that was just an amazing experience and now it's a movie I can watch over and over again and still get the same kind of thrill out of it every time uh, I apologize for whatever my neighbor is doing <laughs> behind me. If you guys can hear that, it's very loud. Um, oh, I didn't know if it was my neighbor. No, it's definitely it's definitely on my end. So okay. ap apologies for the uh, the motor running. Because um, this morning, me. our neighbor was using like a sledgehammer or something, <laughs> and Ben was like, he was staring out the window spying. We spy a lot here. And then the neighbor saw him and Ben had to awkwardly wave. <laughs> I'm just imagining Ben sternly looking, holding a cup of coffee. <laughs> Typically, yes. Um, does Ben wear a bathrobe around the house? Because I feel like you should. Only in winter. Okay. All right. I can, I can, I can, I can handle that. Um, so the, the next movie in this Cosmic Horror Marathon is one that I actually just saw recently. Uh, for the first time, which is Tobey Hooper's Life Force from 1985. Uh, that's so um, good. Yeah, and it's a movie that I just kind of stumbled, stumbled across because I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it, but um, it's 
a group of astronauts find um, some bodies inside a comet that they're exploring, and they turn out to be space vampires who steal the life force Whoa. from people. Yeah. <laughs> How do they steal the life force? Um, they hold them and stare and open their mouth and a stream of electricity flows from one oh to the other. Um, and they like age and there's some crazy puppetry from people who are like, like don't have skin. Um, so they're like a skeleton with like, but you can see like the, the muscles and, and everything. Um, so it's, it's a skeleton just without flesh. Yes. I want at certain points it, it's an amazing movie. I cannot believe more people don't talk about it, but yeah. it's it's a really fun, gory riff on, like it feels like a 50s or 60s space horror movie, I but know. done in the 80s, um, you know, with the, the special effects and stuff they couldn't have shown on screen uh, back, back, back then. Um, it's super fun. And then following that is a movie from last year, actually, uh, Starfish, which is the first feature film from A.T. White. I don't know if other of you guys have seen this. I haven't seen it, but have heard of it. Um, uh, I've not seen it or heard of it. Um, so it blew me away when I saw it last year. Um, I believe it's on Shudder now. Um, it's the story of a girl who's all alone. Um, on the out I feel like it's the outskirts of Denver, Colorado. Uh, it's snowy outside and there's like nobody else around and she has like these tapes that have this message that she's trying to piece together um, and there's weird radio broadcasts and um, you know she's living in some kind of immediately pre or immediately post apocalypse type situation um, so she's trying to like just survive and try to figure out what's ha what, what has happened um, and it's just a very like just a very interesting movie. Uh, the lead actress, whose name I'm not remembering off the top of my head, uh, is incredible and carries the whole movie. And then in the third act, it goes completely wild uh, and goes to places I was not expecting, but is also like really fun. So it does that kind of, that sort of dread horror uh, where you're just like waiting for something bad to happen. Okay. Um, and then closing it out with, with two more classics that I feel like most people have seen, but they're movies that if you haven't seen in a while, they will re they will remind you why they're considered classics, um, which is the 1979 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, mm -hmm. which is just a, phen a phenomenal movie. And like having watched it back to back with the 50s version, they're both scary in different ways uh, while using that sort of same core concept. Um, and are both like just very fun, very interesting movies. Also, you know, about a lot of issues that are still pressing today in terms of, you know, uh, media and group thought. And, um, you know, I feel like you could make a like QAnon body snatchers movie uh, yeah. work pretty well. So, um, and then closing it out with, you know, a perennial favorite, John Carpenter's version of The Thing. Um, yes. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's a perfect movie to end on because of its ending is so bleak and so, but yet really satisfying to the story that's being told, um, you know. And that's that that's a favorite. So I always feel like you know, uh, starting and ending with a movie that people are going to be excited to watch, and then throwing a couple, you know, more off the beaten path ones in between. Uh, it's kind of the way I like to structure a uh, a movie marathon. So those well, are my cosmic horror picks. Yeah, I love this idea of cosmic horror. It's really good. See that, Ryan? Impressive. Thank you. Very good. I'm glad that I did not disappoint you by including a movie that you hate. It's not really disappoint wouldn't be the correct word. It would be embarrass. I see. I see. <laughs> if that mummy would have made it on your list, <laughs> so help me. And uh, also, cosmic horror, you could play cosmic woman during the intermission true. from Extraordinary, which, Nick, you've seen that movie, right? Extraordinary? Yes. yes. When you, I, I can't remember if it was you or Ben that texted me about it, I think. And as soon as I saw Will Forte, I yes. as fast as I could to go. I love Will Forte <laughs> so much. Um, he just, he's one of those people that just... He, he doesn't have to really do anything. If he's just on screen, I start laughing. I can't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I watched it pretty recently. I loved it. It's, yeah. it's 
he has this great song in that movie as his character who I'm blanking on what the character's name is, but the song is called Cosmic Woman. And you can go on like Bandcamp or whatever, but it says like, pay what you want, essentially. Yeah, so just right. like enter. And one of our friends, Mr. Clink, was like, I'd pay $500 for that song. And I was like, eh, I'd pay like 50. And Ben's like, I don't know, a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's a simple song, but it's just so great. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, Extraordinary is definitely on my list of films to watch the spooky season. Oh, you need to. It's so fun. It's a really fun time. Uh, so, so Nick, what uh, watch list are you sharing with our, uh, our, our question asker? Yeah, so this is a question I get, or it comes up, or I get asked quite frequently. Um, and I found that I, I have a tendency to rush you know, as far as horror goes, right to the 1980s. Just that's the era that I grew up and fell in love with horror. And so I was doing some reflecting on that last night. I just, I think I've just been angry for like 20 years at mainstream horror. Uh, it just seemed like in 2000 or around the year 2000, there was this weird switch where Superbad hit really big. And so now every single comedy was rated R, but all of a sudden every horror movie was rated PG-13. And it just seemed like it, it stuck like that for so long. So every year we got uh, a Saw sequel or another Final Destination or a Paranormal Activity. I just thought horror was just kind of dead. And I didn't realize how angry I was about that. And I, so I sat down last night and I thought, you know what? There have been good horror movies that have come out in the last just, you know, five, six years. If I just sit down and think about it and make myself not rush you know, right to the 1980s for the list. So um, these three all kind of share a theme. And I was going to ask, I didn't know if you guys knew um, where this, I couldn't think of a movie before Rear Window with this sort of um, voyeuristic, my next door neighbor, good, and I, and I kind of know it, but I can't prove it and nobody believes me, that kind of thing. So I think of a movie before Rear Window that did that so that's these three movies are kind of all sort of related to that theme so the first is i am not a serial killer um, which came out in 2016 it's from ifc midnight which is uh, one of my favorite ifc is just one of my favorite production companies but ifc midnight is their sort of genre arm um and i i, I love i love a lot of movies that come out of there so this has Christopher Lloyd in it, and I hadn't seen him in anything in quite a while. So this kind of surprised me would take this role. And so it's, you know, troubled team and the actor um, records is the actor, the teenager gives a really great performance, but um, in a nutshell, it's, you know, he is, is sort of fascinated with death and seems to have some serial killer tendencies and he runs into you know, Christopher Lloyd, who's his next door neighbor, and you know, starts watching him. Come to find out, you know, Christopher Lloyd is a serial killer. And there's a really great twist to it. I don't know if either of you've seen it. No, but, but I he, love Christopher Lloyd. Then you'll you'll want to watch this as soon as you can because it's it's a really great um, performance of his. One of my favorite, and it's something that you, you've never really seen him do. Before. Right. Um. And, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a really great twist to he's not just a serial killer. I don't just say that much. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, you don't really see him in that type of role because most of the time he's like somebody quirky, I feel, or right. kind of hokey. Yeah. You don't really. Yeah. I can't even imagine him being evil. Yeah. Cool. I'll check it out. Definitely. Uh, the second was uh, Summer of 84. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. This one came out in 2018. Uh, the filmmakers also did Turbo Kid. I don't know if you guys have seen, got to see Turbo Kid. Yeah, actually, I, did Turbo Kid come out before it? Yes. Okay, yes, because that is what kind of, I, I believe led Ben and I then to watch Summer of 84, 
we watched Turbo Kid first and then found out like, oh, they have this other movie. And so we just blind bought it. Like, so we got a Blu-ray and it does kind of have like that Stranger Things vibe, but I Mm -hmm. think they do it better. I I agree. And it's also, um, again, not to spoil too much about it, but I I loved the ending uh, of it being sort of open-ended and it's kind of got that John Carpenter's the thing. It's a pretty bleak ending. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I, again, the, um, the lead actor that plays the kind of the troubled teenager that knows his neighbors up to no good, uh, another great performance and that ensemble in that movie is, uh, I think really strong too, but, uh, yeah. To kind of go back to what you were saying earlier about horror and like through the 2000s of them, like making these PG-13 movies, I was so shocked by the summer of 84 and how it ends because like I was not expecting them to go there. Yeah. So yeah, I was like really shocked. I felt that it's a good horror movie. Absolutely. And I, it sounds weird, but I, I like that horror is circling back to um, like teenagers and children in honest peril. It's Mm -hmm. like, I, that I don't feel like they, they would, you know, 15 years ago would just seem like it would be so soft peddled and you'd never really believe, even if it was a horror movie, if, as soon as you saw, you know, kids or teenagers in it, you're just like, Oh, they'll be fine. Like they're not going to do anything to these characters. Right. Yeah, I I also would like to see him go back more to like not necessarily feeling the need to show everything because I feel like especially as a child when I watched some horror movies of the 80s and then like revisited as an adult, I realized how many times I imagined things that happened in the movie but they actually didn't Mm -hmm. because yeah like they wouldn't show you but my brain would just make up this event that happened and i feel like when they show too much it just plays off later than as silly right yeah i mean special effects which also i wish more movies would do practical effects in horror which i feel there are some people going back to that yeah that's it's definitely um resurfacing which i'm i'm thrilled about yeah you said you watched bad milo the other night Um, (laughs) yes just just seeing that puppet made me happy just because it's like you know not a cgi little creature yeah so ryan bad milo okay (laughs) we got this movie from our friend mr clink he will go to the dollar store and like basically just send us random films from there that he purchased and i don't know the texas dollar store he goes to like they have blu-rays oh wow so he sent us a blu-ray copy of this film bad milo which is basically like this creature living inside this man and it basically comes out of his butt yes it's disgusting and then the creature like takes revenge on people that like pissed him off and then he goes back inside of him sounds reasonable and it's it's uh ken marino is who stars in it he's another actor for that. oh yeah okay yeah i love ken marino yeah. uh sort of like will forte if he's on screen i'm laughing like he just he just has that connection with well, me well i will tell you milo for at first like nick said he is a puppet at first, I was like, this thing is disgusting. But then there was like a scene where he was cuddling with, mm-hmm. with the guy. And I was like, all right, I kind of like Milo. <laughs> like, he's kind of cute. Okay. But it is cool that it was an actual puppet and not... Because you see that all the time now where it's like this CGI thing and it just looks bad. Because mm-hmm. I feel like obviously with cgi unless you have a lot of money to make it look good but a lot of times these indie films they just don't have that kind of budget so then it just ends up looking just stupid bad and even sometimes when they do have all the money in the world like jurassic world for some reason i don't watch that like this is awful like the original jurassic park that did the more practical dinosaurs was 
a million times better. Yeah, those were those were actual dinosaurs. Yeah. That they like <laughs> recreated just for our viewing. Yeah, somebody had to get into that T Rex and almost die operating it, and that's how I want my movies. Goddamn. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, the last pick what came out last year, and it's called The Wretched. I don't know if you guys, either of you saw this one. Um, that I have not. It's Brett and I believe Drew Pierce. I, I'm pretty sure brothers. And the only other movie I was checking on IMDb that they had the credit for was Deadheads, which I never saw, but I saw floating around quite a bit on streaming services, so I'll have to check out. But uh, it's kind of cool that Ryan mentioned uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers because that's sort of what The Wretched is. Um, that's a little, it's not aliens. I want to spoil it, but it, it kind of has that same um, horror element to it of people being taken over by a force. In, and again, it has the, the troubled teenager. He knows this is going on. Nobody believes him. But uh, it's another one. I was just genuinely surprised by how good it was and how much I liked it. And it has that those practical effects. The costumes are great. The performances are all solid. But just and it's but it's really spooky. Like it's a it's a really creepy movie. Like it it really, um, yeah. So. That almost sounds like it could fit into the cosmic horror. Yeah, so list. we got a little bridge going there yeah. between Ryan and I. No, that sounds. And you said, when did that come out? Just last year. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I even heard of it. So I'll have uh, to look for that one. Yeah. yeah. When I saw, I saw it on Hulu. So I, it might still be. Okay. Hulu. Yeah. So Ryan, have you seen that or no? Uh, I have not. I had not heard of it. So I'll have to add that to my watch list as well. Um, and Rosalie, I'm probably going to have to borrow that bad Milo Blu-ray at some point because <laughs> I was just looking at the cast list um, and there's a lot of people I like in that movie. Well, let me just tell you, Ben, so, you know, we watched it after hearing the news about RBG. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Ben gave it a scathing review on Letterboxd. <laughs> and then, like, I read it the next morning, and I was—I just left a comment, wow. <laughs> and then Ben commented back to me, because, you know, we live in the same house, but we talk through Letterboxd. Right. Like, that's what we do. But he said, sorry, Milo, you hit me on a bad night. <laughs> but I feel like if you asked Ben can I borrow that? He would be like, take it. Yeah. Keep it. <laughs> and like throw it at you. Yeah. Next time um, I swing by, he can throw it at my car. Yeah. It, it <laughs> went down into the Leonard library. I mean, there's a lot of movies though. Like sometimes we blind buy things mm-hmm. and then we just know, like we will probably never revisit it. It will sit down there. And then when we die, someone will look at it and be like, why do they own this? It, um, th- this is, I feel like a relevant factoid, but I read the other day that uh, supposedly John Cleese in his will wants to be buried with all of the books that he owned but did not read. Oh. And that's kind of how I feel about like <laughs> the movies that I own that like I may or may not ever actually get around to watching. <laughs> he, he is a strange creature. Like I love him, but he is strange. Did you ever watch Faulty Towers? Love Faulty Towers. Yes. One of, one of my favorite shows uh, of all time, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we gave some good recommendations here. Mm-hmm. And I approve of all of them. Good. Because as long as, Mommy as is long, not there. As long as you approve, Rosalie. That's... And I'll forget about Son of Frankenstein being mentioned. It's a, I mean... I like Agree to disagree <laughs> on that. Fine. That's totally fair. Before we sign off, you can find a breakdown of the episodes on moviejohn.com. And I will try to post these various lists there. And then you can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine, which actually we are currently underway with. And this uh, quarter's theme is noir. 
And so if you want to make sure to find that in your mailbox, you can subscribe at moviejohn.com shop. You can also follow the show on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw in a Movie. And if you're seeking advice, especially of the spooky type, send us your questions to dear I saw in a movie at gmail.com or send us mail to P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145, Attention Movie John. And Ryan, where can people find you at? Sure. Uh, you can find my writing at cinema76.com uh, and you can check out my other podcasts, uh, The Shame Files and F yeah, F1, uh, wherever you uh, catch your pods. And as for me, you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at bonjouroldsport. And check out my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. Find it wherever you catch your pods or download at Movie John. And Nick, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Movie Shuffle. Yes. And I just realized I did not find a piece of advice for this week. Oh, me either. <laughs> so I <laughs> failed. But maybe I'll just leave my piece of advice of don't watch The Mummy. That's my advice. <laughs> Don't listen to Ryan. I mean, you know, <laughs> um, there are far worse movies out there than The Mummy. That's all that. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, maybe, but what about? So you didn't have advice either, then? No, I, I, I was whittling down my list minutes before, uh, yeah. and did not get a chance to grab a piece of advice. Yeah. How about you, Nick? Did you get anything? Um. Well, like I said, I guess I'll, I'll um, give the old uh, Ferris Bueller piece of advice. Like I said, I was very angry at the horror genre and didn't realize how angry I was about uh, like 2000 to 2020. Right. So and I thought, well, wait a minute. If you stop and take a look around every once in a while, don't let life pass you by. And it turns out there's some really great gems out there. You just had to stop and find them and appreciate them. Yeah, and I think that is a good way to end because a couple of you mentioned are like these indie horror types that easily I feel can get, you know, lost in the shuffle. So I think that's a really good point that, you know, don't be too quick to say, I'm not watching anything from 2000. There might be something good. Yeah, and in any genre, there's always the mainstream stuff is not always where the uh, interesting stuff is happening. Right. I yeah, think that's, which, that's definitely true for horror. Definitely. Because a lot of people I feel in horror, like sometimes the first one they make is like the best. And then they get that pile of money and it's like, eh, I liked them better when they were suffering. Yeah, I'll probably... With that, with that pile of money comes the, the producers along with it and the, exactly the executives that all of a sudden well how about we make it pg-13 fuck yourselves <laughs> yeah, exactly. so on that note thank you for listening and until next time remember for every question there is a movie with the answer goodbye <laughs>